I want you to look at somebody around you, and I want you to give them a hug. You don't have to talk a lot about that. Just give them a hug, and then have a seat, and then we're going to begin. Okay, go ahead and have a seat. Do you feel better? This morning as we talk about biblical community, I want to begin with this verse and I want us to read it together. Psalm 133, verse 1. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Read it again. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. What comes to your mind when I say the word community? Now for some of you, you may be thinking about your bunco group or your bridge club or your card club or whatever club you may be a part, the Lions Club or whatever club you may be a part of in town, there's a community within that group, isn't there? And you're there because you have something in common, and it draws you together. And you have a great time at all those things, right? But I want you to get in your mind this morning this idea of biblical community. What is it that comes to your mind when I say that phrase, Biblical community. What is it that we have in common as Christians? What is it that holds us together as one to be unified in Christ? Too often we experience faith in a solitary way. We rarely think of it in terms of us and our, but too often we think about it as me and my. Church, let me, I want to remind you of something this morning. The church is not about me. The church is not about you. Biblical community is not about ourselves it's about a relationship that first and foremost that God sought out with you now I want you to think about that man we thrive on relationships today don't we we thrive on having friends but from the very beginning of time God saw fit in his plan that he wanted a relationship with mankind. And he wanted it so bad that he knew that the way that we were going to have that relationship was through his son. And that meant in order for that relationship to take place, what did he have to do with his son? He had to sacrifice. And he had to give him up so that when all of God's people 
come together, they come together in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. That is what holds us together to be a biblical, unified community. And so, as we begin this morning, I, I want you to just get this in your mind, that Christian community is really, it's simply just sharing a common life together in Christ. You know, the beautiful thing about when I look at a crowd like this today, there's 350, 400 of us in this room, and the great thing is we're all different people. There's not a one of us in this room that are really alike. And the beautiful part of that is that's the nature of the body of Christ. Did you hear what Justin read this morning from 1 Corinthians chapter 12? The body is a unit, but it's made up of many different parts. And so I want you to think about it this morning. You have hands, you have feet, you have a mouth, you have ears. I mean, you've got all these parts and so if I was to come up here today and let's say that a nail was sticking out and I had a hammer and I needed to nail that back into the wall, let me, I'll just tell you right now, when a hammer is in my hand, it is dangerous, okay? I hate hammers. Carrie Ann has a toolbox at home that her dad bought for her and we labeled it Carrie's Toolbox for a reason, Okay? What would happen if I got that hammer and started nailing that nail, and if it slipped and it hit my thumb, which that's happened to all of us, right? Oh, don't tell me that, Terrence. It happens to most of us, okay? It happens to me. So when that happens, is it just my thumb that kind of feels it? Or does it affect my whole body? Oh, let me tell you, it affects all of me, okay? And I will let out a big, loud cry and whimper if I have to, right? I mean, it's a felt need that we have. And so the point of that analogy is this. Even though we have all these body parts, when one part is out of order, when one part is not working right, what does it do to the rest of the body? It has an effect on it, doesn't it? And I want you to use that analogy this morning in the Christian life, in the Christian body. We all have needs. We all have these desires. We all have these wants. And when something is not right, it affects all of us, or it should, right? We carry one another's burdens. We are to love one another. We are to rejoice with one another. A few weeks ago as we went through our study on the church, we, we learned and we were reminded of the fact that the church is not a building. We come to a building, yes, but the church is made up of people. The church is not singing. The church is not just preaching. It is the people of God coming together under a unified mission that God has set forth for us. And that mission is to love as many people as possible, and to help other people know what God's love is all about so they can experience what you and I 
experience every day of life together in the church through Christ. Amen? What a wonderful place to be in the body of Christ. But you know, think about it. As Americans, we idolize independence. We have the Declaration of Independence. We sing songs like, I've got to be me or I'll do it my way. And then we have characters that we've grown up with about the Lone Ranger. Well, we love the Lone Ranger, don't we? But remember, even the Lone Ranger had who? Oh, there you go. Well, that woke you up, didn't it? Had Tonto. But we still like that idea of being independent. Dorothy Hamill's 96 years old today. Dorothy's independent, but Dorothy, there are times in your life where you have to be dependent on your family, right? I know that's hard for you to say yes to, (laughs) but you do. Folks, we all need to be more dependent on God because He is our Creator He is our sustainer. He is the one who breathed life into us. And it seems like sometimes that the older we get as Christians that we just try to find our independence from God only to realize every day of life we need God more and more. But not only do we need God more and more, we need each other in the body of Christ more as well. And that's not an accident. That is the way that God wired us. That is the way that God created us to be. But there's some good news and bad news regarding this. The bad news is that living in community requires sacrifice. The good news is you can do that. You can survive and you can grow in community, but you've got to realize in a room like this, just look around this morning. This is not all the body, but this is the majority of the body of believers that make up the Lamar Avenue Church of Christ. We want that to grow, don't we? One way that will grow is when people outside of these walls see that we really love God and we really love each other and we love God and we love each other in such a way that we learn every day how to take care of each other and one of the things that happens in that is we learn it's not about me I don't have to have it my way and there are times there are a lot of times when we have to sacrifice for another brother or sister in Christ. And I would challenge you this morning, if you haven't sacrificed for a fellow brother or sister in Christ lately, you're missing out. You need to do that. It's really not a, you need to, or you might want to think about it. It's essential to do that. And as you make those sacrifices for one another, you grow and you love God and you learn to love each other more 
in the process. Romans chapter 12, verse 5. Since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other and each of us needs all the others. In other words, God says community is not optional. Okay, it is essential. And in the body of Christ, we have these needs, we have these desires, and we have this idea that we were made for each other. I wonder what our relationships would look like if we actually put into practice some of the one another passages within the New Testament. I mean, I'm going to give you some this morning. They're not on the screen, so you've got to listen to these. But these are some that remind us that we need the community of faith to grow up in Christ. Love one another, Paul says in John 13, 34. I like this one in Romans 12, verse 10. Outdo one another in showing honor. What? I wonder what it would be like if we just made it a goal this week of just trying to outdo one another as we honor each other. Boy, isn't that a great goal to have? Paul says that is something that you need to do. You need to put it in practice. Outdo one another in the way that you honor somebody else. Now, I know you like to be honored. We all like to be honored. But folks, when you can pay that honor to somebody else, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that wonderful? And think about what it does to that person, but look at what it does to you as you're getting focus off of self and on to somebody else. Romans chapter 12, verse 16, live in harmony with one another. 2 Corinthians 13, verse 11, comfort and agree with one another. John 13 and Galatians 5, serve one another in a spirit of love. Bear one another's burdens, Galatians 6, verse 2. Ephesians 4, verse 32, forgive one another. Chapter 5 of that same uh, letter, verse 21, submit to one another. 1 Thessalonians 5, encourage one another. Confess to one another. Pray for one another how are you doing on those are you putting those into practice or are you just kind of when you think about it or when you you know when you see it in scripture you're reminded oh yeah I'm supposed to do that well wouldn't it just be great if those things just naturally became a way of life of who we are I want to show you something turn to Acts chapter 2 for a moment Acts chapter 2. And while you're turning there, I want to I give you a little rundown of this. Scriptures are clear that people of faith are called to live out their faith together. For example, you go to Genesis, it shows that Adam needed Eve. And all the women say amen to that, right? The Gospels show the fellowship of Jesus and his disciples. The book of Acts shows that in the early church, the first Christians, they shared with one another and they gave and served together. And so the past, over the past 2,000 years, 
we've seen the church around the world accomplish great things in the name of Jesus. And it's not by accident. I want, I want to read to you from Acts chapter 2, verse 42, what these early Christians, what they celebrated and what they came together with. Look at this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the, by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. These Christians were on fire, weren't they? Well, wouldn't it have been wonderful? Wouldn't it have been great to have been a Christian with that group? I mean, part of the early ones. And as this is ushered into their life, they are beginning to see, man, there's nothing that's ever come to our life like this before. And look at that. They love to be together. They ate together. They studied together. They shared together. When there was a need, they came together and said, hey, what can we do to help this person? What can we do to pull our resources together and help one of ours that's in need? We asked this question this morning in class. Is that possible today? Is it possible? Yes, has to be. That's the marching orders, right? And what's beautiful about it is as we begin to experience that and we begin to kind of get a small glimpse of what the early Christians experienced, we realize the thing that held all of them together and what brought them together was this. Everything they did they believed in following Jesus' way of life. And so living out that kind of life was not an option. That's the way it was supposed to be. Again, this kind of life should come natural to us as believers in Christ. But too often it doesn't. Because life gets in the way, culture sends a whole different message to us, and day after day after day, we lose sight of that kind of life. And I would say in the church and as believers, it's time to repent of that and say, to ourselves and to God, I want to do better with the Jesus way of life. Amen? I want to do better at being together. I want to do better at being more unified. I want to do better at loving my brothers and sisters and praying for them 
and helping them and lifting them up and honoring them in such a way that we bring glory to God through our lives. You know, in this church, one of the things that I love is we celebrate. We celebrate birthdays and anniversaries, and there's a lot of times where we shout that out from up here, and I like that. You know why? Because we are honoring that individual. We are honoring a Dorothy Hamill to say, thank you for 96 years of life and of faith and of godly examples. And that's just one. We got a whole room full of them. Not a whole room full of 96-year-olds, but a whole room full that we honor. And we need to continue to do that. I love the fact that we honor our children. I love the fact that our little boys walk up and down these aisles every week picking our cards up. Man, that's something they can do. And to hear our young men read Scripture or sing songs from up here or read or proclaim the Word, those, are, those kind of things are life together in community. And church, it doesn't just happen. You have to be intentional about it. And in community, you have to invest yourself. And you have to be encouraged to be involved. But you know what? When I look at the early church, they wanted to do that. They wanted to be together. They weren't looking at their clock saying, I wish he would hurry up so I could go to lunch and beat everybody else where we're going to eat they weren't worried about that you know why they were eating together that's why i love in this church that we have life groups and we have other groups we have the young at heart group some of you have not admitted yet that you're in that group but it's a great place to be you know why because you're together with other christians and you build community the highlight of my week is on Wednesdays at 6.30. I love what takes place in the classroom in our outreach building. This last week we had 29. Every chair was full. There were, I think, seven that could not be with us Wednesday night, so we would have been pushing 40. Why were we together? Yes, we're grieving something, a death or loss of a job or friend or something. But more than that, what's bringing that group together is hope because of God. And hope because of like-minded people in that circle that they can lean on. And to hear different ones in the circle say, we've waited all week to come here this week so we could share what we're about to share. Man, I love that. Don't you wish every Bible class and every life group would get to that point that we've waited right now to share this in our life with these people? That's intentional. That's making life happen in 
community. It's not by accident. It's the way God designed it. It's the way we've been wired and created. And you can go all day long and think, oh, I don't need that. Yes, you really do. You need everybody in this room. You need everybody in this room to lift you up, to pray for you, to encourage you, to pat you on the back, to do all those things together in life, in community, because that's just the way it is. One more scripture. Acts chapter 9. Find verse 36. And I want to read this as a display of the simple power of community to which we're called. Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 36 and going down to verse 42. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. And about that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him, and they urged him, Please come at once. And Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room, and all the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. And Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and he prayed. And turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. And she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. And he took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. And he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. And this became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. You know what I love about that? Tabitha was this widow who had become a vital part of that body of believers because she was always doing good and she was helping, Scripture says, the poor. So much that people missed her deeply and so they sent these messengers to Peter hoping that he could do something and miraculously through the power of God as Peter kneels down and prays, Tabitha comes back to life. And I think what's so important about that is we see that Tabitha had given her life to biblical community. And in the end, I think that was the very motivation that Peter said her life needs to be extended. A little bit longer and here you have an account of a widow who lived sacrificially there you go there was somebody that sacrificed and not only that but it inspired other believers around her so church look what happens when you put into practice that kind of life and those one another passages look at what effect it might have not just on you but on those around you 
Maybe that's the very example that other people needs to look at and say, ah, that's probably what I should be doing. Maybe that's something that I should be a part of. And that's exactly what happens in the church, in the community of faith. And so what difference does it make in the way that I live all that out in biblical community? Well, one difference is this. It makes all the difference because we are keeping our relationship with God strong, our relationship with others strong, and we continue that fellowship with other believers because we know that when we do that, it is pleasing to God. And we're all over that, right? And so this morning, I want you to stand. Kyle's going to come and lead us in a song. But before he comes, I want you to think about this. Christ is living in you. He's living through you. And in community, we are the hands and the feet of Jesus to the world. So I challenge you this week, go out, be the hands, be the feet of Jesus together to a lost and dying world. If there's anything we can do for you this morning to help encourage you in that, won't you come as we sing this song?